Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. On a mostly sunny afternoon here, a Wednesday afternoon in the Bridge City, Saskatoon, site of training camp 2022 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. There's never, I can safely say, there's never been a training camp like this. <laughs> I don't know, maybe since C. Karam's been broadcasting the games. We haven't had a player strike since 1974, and now it feels like we're about to have our second player strike. Uh, it is Michael Ball along with Luke Mullender. Uh, so the latest. First, we'll tell you the show is brought to you by our friends at spreads.ca. Uh, sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. We basically have wall-to-wall football talk today with the exception of Bob Stoffer from the Oilers Radio Network. He'll talk about the Oilers having a 3-1 series lead on the Calgary Flames. That interesting game yesterday at Rogers Place in Edmonton. But the big story around here across the prairies, if you're a football fan, is will we have CFL football? It seems like we've been talking about that uh, since a couple of days ago when the CBA was voted down by the CFL Players Association. The league gives them another proposal and they have until 10 o'clock our time tomorrow night to sign off on it. But there's talk from Dave Naylor of TSN who seems to be on the inside. Jeff Hamilton over in Winnipeg, a great reporter there, saying they're not too... Uh, optimistic from what they're hearing that the uh, CFL Players Association is even going to take it to their membership to vote on it. You see, in the deal, as Murray McCormick reported in the Leader Post, Randy Ambrosi said uh, as part of the deal, the Canadian ratio would go from seven starters to six and one nationalized American instead of in the previous deal where it was seven and one, and then you had three other Americans under a formula uh, that made them Canadian um, take 49% of the snaps. So uh, the ratio seems to be a hang-up. Uh, some of the money involved seems to be a hang-up. Uh, but we know one thing. The Canadian Football League is, well, they're basically done with this. Um, it's a take-it-or-leave-it offer, so we're told. Uh, 10 o'clock, take it, or you're going to get locked out, and then who knows what happens after that. It's an absolute, I don't think it's... I don't think it's wrong to say it's an absolute mess. We are going to get to Luke Mullender and his thoughts because he is a player, former player, broadcaster, but he's on the business side too now in the world of business with the Red Cross and and other ventures he's looking at. And so he has an interesting perspective here as well. Uh, But first, let's go to (laughs) the guy who doesn't probably want to talk as much, but he is the CFL players rep or the Ryder CFL players rep, one of them, the main guy, it's the kicker, Brett Lothar. We caught up with him after practice. Um, the, it's nothing really too new from what we talked about yesterday or anything. It's, they're, they're going back and forth on their side. We have a meeting eventually today, so unfortunately we didn't have that before where there's an update I can give. It's just kind of stagnant until we, we talk. 
Are you happy with the six and one offer now that is apparently out there? Six Canadians and the seventh being an American when it appeared to be seven and eight before? Um, like the sorry, the previous offer you mean? Yeah, well, the previous offer apparently was seven Canadians with one naturalized American. Now we're hearing it's six Canadians and one naturalized American. Yeah, but before there was also the three split spots, so. Um, I think it's less if I'm happy or not. I mean, it doesn't actually, if I don't get to count as a Canadian. Right. Um, guys in the locker room or guys across the league, I think, are still a little upset that they're wondering why we're changing it and stuff like that, too. But you got to compromise, I guess. Like, they're not getting everything they want and we're not getting everything we want. So it's just going to come down to is it enough? What about the ratification points? You talked about that yesterday. You're right. <laughs> they take something way down the road to get it now, but is that something that's to appease the Americans, you think, a little bit in that way? I think it's less American-Canadian as people are putting in the media, but um, I think it appeases a little now just because there isn't something for the first couple of years, and pretty much every guy won't be around for 2028, but at the same time, too, like, if you break it down, it's really not that much money. It's maybe 1500 per guy that's a vet, and once has tax and broken down, it's like... I don't know. It's not. It's not like a, a big chunk or something that was like in 2014. Randy has mentioned there's a deadline at 10 a.m. 10 p.m. tomorrow night. Have you heard that? Yeah, I mean, they, I think they want to have it done or, or something before the preseason game. So it's what they're saying on their side. I just know what we're saying on our side. And until we have that meeting today, there's not much I can really say about it. What does your instinct tell you? What's going to happen? Like for the the vote tomorrow, if it happens and whatnot. Um, I mean, I was wrong before, so it's hard to it's hard for me to have an opinion. Like I thought the last one, just from what I heard, not that I thought it was a yes or no. I said I thought it was going to be a yes, but um, this time around, it's going to come down to like, do you guys want to miss game checks and go home and potentially just move on from football? It's it's a little bit bigger decision the closer we get, and I mean that's the whole point of why they wait the, all the time we have in the off season to negotiate. They wait till we're here in camp, and then both sides are frustrated and we can't get something done well it's like we'll do stuff before then like there's easy fixes to all this but um a lot of opinions go on can you uh, help me out walk me down the garden path how is the you're a traditionalist how is the league better with one less canadian start true canadian starter on the field like how is that more appealing i know you got to give some and get some and there's americans in this union too but i i don't i fail to realize how this league's better off with one less dan clark one less albert awachi you know what i mean no i agree with you like, especially in sask and winnipeg and we had talks about that like who are the guys who are staying in the off season and going out in the communities and being with the kids and the the future season ticket holders and everything but i think it's just bigger picture that every market isn't like the what we have out here i mean what it's like in Toronto, BC and everything else, it isn't the same. And at the end of the day, for a lot of this stuff, it's it's one opinion doesn't really change what a whole union has to vote. So as much as like I, I'm traditional and, and I agree with all of that too, um, there's a lot of talks about Nova Scotia coming in and then 22 other Canadian spots and then filling those. So there's, there's a lot of other things on each side that I've been hearing where sometimes it makes a lot of sense, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm definitely obviously like, I, I don't think there was a problem with the game before. I think there's too much of a, a rush into trying to fix things when it's like we had a year off. We didn't play football. We come back and then there's like change all these rules, do this different, this different. It's like the game was great for a hundred and some years. I don't think 
this stuff needs to be changed, but they want more scoring and they're going to get a lot more scoring this year. So if that's what the fans want and what they voted on from their polls and stuff, then that's what they get. Here's a question I get from the fans. We're worried about changing the rules. We didn't have a CBA in place. Who cares about the rules if you don't have a contract to play? Can you just answer that question? Because I got a, that a, from a couple of fans yesterday on the show. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think realistically the CBA should be done before um, they do free agency. Like, how is a GM knowing what the cap or what the changes are going to be negotiating contracts for that year? And then what's adding new money on this year when everyone's signed to a deal going to do? It's just going to go to some guy that isn't in the league right now. It's an NFL cut. Just doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's like I said, I could go on and on about a lot of things that I don't make sense, but it is what it is. Is Randy saying it's the final offer put some urgency and pressure on the players? Nah, I think it's like the fifth time it's been a final offer from their side, so whether it is or it isn't, I don't think it changes guys' opinions. I think it's like I said, I'm just keeping guys informed so they can make the best decision that they want to make. Randy mentioned today, I was reading that losing games really puts us into the another level of negotiations. You 100%. That's one of the first things I made clear. And it's also one of the things why it's a terrible uh, tactic to wait till camp every year to get us here and then say you're not going to feed or house us and have to do all this. It, it puts pressure on us and it puts pressure on them to try to get something done. So I get it. But this stuff needs to be negotiated or done a lot sooner. Did Randy communicate again directly to the players? No, not not anything we got on our end. I think maybe to the board of governors and the the PA, like uh, the higher ups, but nothing directly to the teams or players besides what they put out on social media. Since yesterday, has the PA come back with a counter already? For the league I know they, I know they've been in talks. I just we haven't had our meeting yet, so I I, I would just be lying if I said I knew anything right now because I 100 percent don't. Or I thought you guys know. What do you think the tone of that meeting will be like? Probably not ideal. I mean, some of the other meetings I've got to sit in on before, which there hasn't been many, it's always pretty pretty hostile, a lot of caucusing in and out, this and that. And um, it's like I said, stuff just needs to start getting done sooner. So um, I'm hoping to, like, when this deal, if it does get done, that going forward there's a lot learned from this time around. So in the future ones, this stuff can be settled or done before and guys aren't going through the same thing that we're going through right now. Yeah, I don't think there's too much panic from our side because we kept it informed with guys. And it's like, if you're going to go down that road, then guys just aren't going to play football and there's not going to be a league. So I don't know. It's it's how they want to use their tactics or what they want to do. It's For me, it, it doesn't make sense. But it's like I said, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. That's Brett Lothar, the PA uh, rep for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Luke Mulder will bring you in here. Uh, your thoughts on what you heard there from uh, Mr. Brett Lothar. And I, I guess I want to ask you this. Simple question. You've had a chance to wade into these muddy, muddy waters like me, let it marinate, former player, now a business guy. Are you starting to formulate an opinion on whose fault it is? The fault, the fault is on both parties here. Um, the problem is, is I actually, I'm starting to, I see the owner's side um, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually empathize with, with the owner's side is in this latest round of shenanigans um i've talked a lot 
to people that are that are obviously close to the situation. I've tried to stay out of the. Uh, I've tried to stay off social media because I don't think the right narratives are out there on either side. But that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the issues is is that um, you know there's a macro, there's a long term sort of goal for the league, and that's sustainability. And then there's, I think, too much focus on the micro issues. On, and I think that the players are getting in their own way now. Um, that's just what I feel. And, and I don't mean getting in their own way. I, I mean, like, I don't, I'd be willing to bet money that some of the players that are voting or will vote don't even know what's actually in the agreement. I'd bet money. How is that possible? I think How is that I, possible? Because I don't think the communication's been good at all. I think, and, and it's not on Brett Lowther. It's not on, I just, again, you see, here's the problem. If you if you if you were to put the CFL owners and the CFLPA on the field and have them play a game, the CFLPA would win sixty million to sixty million and four to zero. Yeah, and all of the owners would come out hurt. But that's not where they're playing this game. This game's being played in the boardroom where those owners are millionaires and they have the right advice. What have I been saying this entire time? Every time we talk mm -hmm. about this, I've been saying, I hope the players are getting the right advice. And I don't think they are. Problem. I don't think their leadership mm -hmm. at the front is, 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 is tight. And I feel like the communication has been absolutely disastrous. And, and we're seeing it now. And honestly, I, I see where the owners are coming from on a lot of this. Mm -hmm. And people need to understand, in a negotiation, you don't say, yeah, this is good, we'll sign off on it, and then come back and be like, actually, we're going to take, without another party saying, well, then we're taking things off the table. They're, they're, the players are in over their head at this moment. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the truth. And there's, the communication has been horrible throughout this, this whole ordeal, and it's... And it's a shame. We've got more from Luke Molander. We've got plenty more to go. But when we come back on the other side, Bob, Bob Stoffer from the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network joins us. Battle of Alberta. Three games to one in favor of the team. He covers the Oilers. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. It's brought to you by Spreads.ca live from Riders Training Camp. And our show is brought to you, like I said, by Spreads.ca. Get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million by using the sign-up code CKRM. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. He's been waiting on hold. He's a busy guy these days, so let's head out and uh, don't waste any time, any more time with our friend Bob Stoffer on the Oilers Radio Network. Yeah, the Edmonton Oilers, Bob Stoffer is 3 nothing. I wouldn't say they were playing an overly spectacular game. Then all of a sudden, the Flames creep back and score a one 132 foot goal short-handed from the other side and I'm thinking oh my goodness this is a this could be a series changer but then all of a sudden Ryan Nugent Hopkins rescues the team he had his best offensive game of the series I think given the situation your thoughts on that uh, big 5-3 uh, Oilers victory I thought you and Luke brought me on to talk about the contract negotiation between the players and the owners of the CFL um, <laughs> do, you got, do you got the answers because we need some well, it's like I come from the school of meritocracy, all right? And the CFL is a big deal in the province of Saskatchewan. And these days, that's about it. And if not for TSN and perhaps some regional uh, radio rights like yours, as an example, 
you got to you got to read you got to read the tea leaves here. I mean, back in the 0405 lockout in the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman, in fairness, for all the criticism he got, he was fighting for the battle for Alberta, Edmonton, Ottawa, Calgary. Those organizations used to get three million dollars a year. The American owners complained uh, about the money that they had to chop up. It was called the Canadian's Assistant Program, the cap, and they put in a hard cap in the CFL or sorry, the National Hockey League. And as a result, what we found out is hockey only mattered really in Canada and traditional U.S. marketplaces. So, you know, we, we, they were able to come up with a scenario that existed, but they needed a cap system in place. Uh, the Canadian football, like I grew up with the CFL. I love the CFL. You know, I almost went to work for the Eskimos in a scouting role back in the mid-2000s. But you got to find a way to get a deal done if you're the players. Because it's the law of diminishing returns. What's the average length of a career? Four years? Yep. Especially yep. given some of the... You know, a lot of the guys have to have second jobs. I wouldn't screw around. Get it done. Appreciate the money that TSN brings in in terms of television revenue that helps uh, pay for the Canadian Football League. It's still a gate-driven league. So, too, is the NHL in a lot of regards. But I'm stunned that they're sitting, frankly, screwing around with this. This needs... To, like... Come on, man. Figure it out and get it done. And I'm sorry in the case of the players, but the reality of the situation is the market does not dictate that they can be as firm as they've been during the course of this negotiation. No, that's a good point. I mean, obviously, uh, CFL, uh, we've joked, I love it, you love it, it stood stood for cash flow low. Uh, I just think uh, what's happening here is a disconnect on the uh, Players Association side, and as Luke said, uh, maybe they're not getting the best advice, and uh, yeah, it's it's a mess right now. But I want to talk about my Oilers, Ryan Nugent, and I appreciate your your words of wisdom, but how about Ryan Nugent Hopkins and what he did? He, I don't want to say he rescued that game, but he kind of did, because the Oilers were on the ropes, and that was a goofy third goal for Calgary? It was a horrendous third goal. I mean, both goalies spit one up yesterday. Uh, the one, you know, if that happens once in a while, what Markstrom did early in the game on the first Nugent Hopkins goal, it was a shocker uh, for uh, Calgary to tie the game on the Rasmus Anderson play. The reality of the situation, Michael, you watch the game, the owners didn't play that well last night. Like, they had a 3 nothing lead after one, and I thought that Calgary had some real good stretches. I thought Calgary was able to sustain a four check. The owners spent a lot of time territorially in their own end. Uh, it was a quiet night, 5v5 for Vander Kane, Connor McDavid, and Leon Dreisaitl. And I think the Flames kind of played that game on their terms, and the owners kind of stole it. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think a year ago against Winnipeg when they lost three overtime games, a year before that against Chicago, I'm not convinced Edmonton would have had the mental fortitude uh, to have survived a goal like that. They do now. They've also got a deeper team. You know, last night they won a game 5-3, and McDavid and Dreisaitl didn't score. So, you know, get two more for Kane, another goal for Hyman, and two for RNH. So they're in a good spot. That said, if they play like they did last night, they're going to lose in Calgary in game five. So they're going to need to elevate the level of their performance uh, if they want to close out the series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm watching Dreisaitl. It is he feeling better? He seems to be moving a little better, or am I missing, yeah. or am I not looking at it right? So I asked him. I asked him on Saturday in the media availability. Uh, what day is it today? Now the Wednesday. Uh, I asked him if he was. He's, there's no question. He's skating better as the game wears on, which to me is a sign that as it loosens up. I mean, for your listeners, if they're watching the series, it's pretty clear he's got a high ankle. He's you know a lower body issue. It's a high ankle sprain, which is murder to deal with for players. Uh, he is tough. He's got the pain threshold of a cadaver. 
He's one of those type of players, and he's gotten his way through it. It's remarkable. I mean, he's the first player in NHL history to have four consecutive three-plus point games in the NHL playoffs. It's never happened before. And uh, that's the irony of Matthew Kachuk talking about the fact that Edmonton's a one-man team. But David, unbelievable in games two and three, but it's been more than just Connor McDavid in this series. Uh, you know, Johnny Goodrow's got five points, Michael, in the series. He leads Calgary. Kane's got five goals. Uh, Hyman's got five goals in the series. Uh, Drysaddle's got 13 points, and McDavid's got 11. So uh, they've been able to score, and, and who, who knew that Jacob Markstrom would put up an 860 save percentage through the first four games. You know, I like to say, Bob, we become prisoners of the moment. Uh, when things aren't going good, the coach needs to get fired, the GM's an idiot. Uh, I remember having you on earlier in the year, and you were you were saying, you know, Ken Holland knows what he's doing, he's been around. Um, and then you look at some of these moves. CeCe's turned out to be uh, a top-four defenseman. You got uh, Hyman, a beautiful signing. Kane, you were the guy saying, this is, a great, this is a great pickup. We never gave anything up for him. I mean, everything, the the, the Kulak trade, that's, a, that's turned out to be a pretty good deal, too. I mean, everything he's done has worked out so far, and he's the guy that had faith in Mike Smith. He's the guy that said, no, let's be honest, well, he was kind of uh, stuck with a goaltending situation, but he's yeah. the guy that he's the guy that kind of had faith in him, that he'll work his way back into it. Yeah, I did, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think Mike Smith would be capable of going 947 in his final 12 starts of the reg, uh, regular season and 931 through the first 11 games of the playoffs. Not a chance. I thought he was going to be capable of that. I did think CC could be a decent top four defenseman. Uh, defensemen get better in their mid to late 20s. Uh, Kulak, I was surprised that they gave up a second to get him. Like, I thought, okay, I could see a third round pick. So, uh, but here's the deal. If Edmonton can get out of this round against Calgary, Ken Holland's been vindicated because the others would have gone from a team that, don't forget, they were 16 to 5 to start the season. Then they went to 11 and 2. They ended up firing the coach. Pretty clear Jay Wincroft's been the right tonic, maybe the right age and the right voice and a different voice for this team. Uh, but they're showing greater resiliency, and they do have greater depth. And Kane, if, if, if you can get past getting off uh, your virtue signaling, and, and look, I'm on in Saskatchewan, so mm-hmm. people in Saskatchewan, it's about what you can actually, you know, it's, it's about what you work, you know, back to the word meritocracy. What can you deliver in your work? And so... You know, not every in other parts of the country. Wow, we wouldn't have a guy like that on our team. You know what? They can't all be milk drinkers. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to have a, a you mm-hmm. know a, a different cat, and you got to be. What about the CFL? Look at look at some of the, some of the best players that have come up to uh, out of uh, out of the states have plunked their way out of the NFL with drug tests. Uh, they've gotten second chances in the CFL to resuscitate their careers. It comes with the territory. People should be a little less judgmental. And you know what? Judge what you know and what you see. And what you know and see is on the ice if you're watching the game because there's an old saying, believe of none of what you uh, hear and only half of what you see. The, the rumor mongering and, oh, this guy did this and I heard this, half that stuff's full of complete crap anyways. Bottom mm-hmm. line, Kane's delivered. He's been fantastic. He's got 34 goals for the Edmonton Oilers in uh, 53 games played. It's pretty impressive between the regular season and the playoffs. Bob, I'm going to let you go on this one. I can't see the Oilers losing this series. Could they, I can't see them lo- like they? I can't see them blowing a three-one lead with the way they're playing. How about you? Uh, well, I never say never, and I respect Calgary. Calgary's got a good team. They finished ahead of the Oilers in the regular season. They've been a good defensive team, but Edmonton scored twenty goals in five games. If if they can't shut down McDavid, they're not going. The Oilers are going to find a way to beat him in one of the final three games. 
Bob, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, your words about the CFL, too. Thanks. All right, Michael. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Bob Stoffer joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. By the way, we got a few texts. Uh, Zinger, do you want to get to a couple of those on our text line, 936-6262, the text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. Please text that if you have questions, thoughts on what's going on in the CFL or the sporting world. Zinger, before we go to break, give us a couple of texts quickly. Yeah, Mike says, got a question. I'd love to go watch training camp tomorrow driving up from Regina, but can't seem to find anything on the Riders' website. Do you have times on tomorrow's session, or is it independent? Or is it dep- rather on the CBA stuff. Thanks for Mike. Uh, I think it's nine o'clock. There's uh, the, they have till ten o'clock tomorrow night to get this done. Mm-hmm. Saskatchewan time, so I think there will be a practice. It usually goes nine until eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. So yeah, there will be something here at Griffith Stadium. I'd be shocked if there isn't. And then another one from uh, Rod texting in says, "I agree with Luke. Here's my question: Where do we go from here if this stops and there is no football? How do you win a fan back who feels like a yo-yo with the string?" You know, just broken off. We, the fans, are getting hurt as well as workers who benefit from sales. How can we uh, stay patient like we are getting told to with so many questions are not being asked or answered from Rod? Okay, we're late for a break. When we come back, I'll let Luke address that from Rod. Thanks for the text. Keep them coming, 936-6262. Our text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, the number one Ford dealership in the province. We'll be back from Griffith Stadium, training camp with the Riders on a beautiful Wednesday here in the Bridge City on 620 CKRM. Live from Training Camp 2022, it's Ballsy along with uh, Luke Mulliner on 620C Karam. Your boys are Rough Riders football. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We are happy you're with us. Uh, our text line is uh, heating up. 936-6262 is the uh, text line, and it's brought to you by Capital Ford. Lincoln, back to Regina and our producer, Zinger. What's the next text, buddy? Yeah, Tony in Rhode Island uh, gave me a call. He hmm. said uh, he has flights booked and hotels booked for the... Um, Labor Day Classic coming up here in uh, September and he says that they're non-refundable so he says regardless whether there's going to be a CFL season or not he says he guess he's coming to Regina regardless so uh, praying for uh, Tony he usually comes to about one game per year all the way from Rhode Island so hopefully he can kind of see a CFL game this year Ballsy. Wow. Wow. Luke, we had a text earlier from Rod before he went to break. Uh, Sean, maybe reiterate that text from Rod just for the people tuning in because we're naive to think everybody listens right through. Give that text, and then I'll let uh, Luke give his response. Yeah, for sure. Rod uh, uh, on the text line says, I agree with Luke. Here's my question. Where do we go from here if this stops and there is no football? How do you win a fan back who feels like a yo-yo and this string has just broke with the fans, you know, getting hurt as well as workers who benefit from sales? How can we stay patient like we're getting told to? So many questions not being asked or answered right now. Very frustrating from Rod. Yeah, well, the, the answer to that, unfortunately, is simple, uh, is that there's nothing you can do, right? And um, and unfortunately, you know, I, 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 was, I said yesterday, you know, that the problem with being in a monkey crap fight is that you know, the only people who get actually hit with the crap are the people who are onlookers, right? And um, and this is what what's happening here is the only people that are really going to be heard about the, on this are the fans. And I and as a former player and as, and as a current you know somebody who's current in the in the business world, I, I really I really empathize with the fans. I feel so bad for the fans. I feel so bad for for because the investment that um, that people are willing to make um, in this game and in, in the people that play this game, it's just uh, it's a shame that it's 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 really them who who in the long run 
um, are hurt by this. Because here's the thing. I mean, we talked about it off air, Balzi. Like, let's say that we didn't have the league. Mm. Seriously. Like, Victor Kui, the new owner in Montreal, the new owner Stern, in Stern, Dolman, yeah. Yeah, they would be, they'd be upset that they didn't own a football team. But you know what they do? They just go back to doing what has made them successful and the things that they have going on mm-hmm. in their lives. It's the players, but more importantly, it's the fans. The players aren't. The players don't have any leverage at this moment, none. But unfortunately, even the leverage that they don't have impacts the fans. It's being reported from Dave Naylor, and I'll I'll uh, oh, wow. well, I'll, I'll go with what he says because he seems to have the he's the voice of the CFL. He really is. Well, he's the only one who doesn't make it anything hard on Randy Ambrosi. By the way, I've asked Randy Ambrosi to come on this show, and Randy Ambrosi's people did not get back to me. Uh, they're they're working on it, but he's in a high level meeting trying to get a deal done. Is what I was told. He did have time to talk to Murray McCormick and Murray. Broke the story about how it's six Canadians uh, and then one uh, naturalized American, which I'll get into in a second, which may be one of the issues we're having here, although Brett Lothar seemed to suggest there'd be more than that. Um, Here's the question I have, though, because Dave Naylor said that the CFLPA may not even take it back to their membership to vote on it. So, So how do you feel about that? That seems ridiculous to me. The only way that the CFL would not take it to their membership if they voted was if they were communicating something properly and got the the immediate feedback that it's not worth it but here's the problem mm-hmm. the communication right now between the CFLPA leadership and the CFLPA has been horse crap i feel so sorry for Brett Lowther this guy's out there in front of the cameras he's trying and you can tell yep. he's not he doesn't know anything like i said a couple segments ago mm-hmm. i'm willing to bet any amount of money that half the people um that are that are supposed to be voting on this players thing the half those players don't even know what's in the agreement i'm i'm willing to lay it on the line um, uh, because that's that's where this communication is. And again, there's no skin in the game for guys like Ramsey, for guys like Elamimian, for guys like Peter Diakowski. No skin in the game. The only people who have skin in the game right now are the actual players and the fans. Period. Sure, the owners, yeah, they, but guys, you have to understand, if there's no CFL, guess what the owners don't do? They don't lose money this year. Mm. You know what I mean? So really, yeah, they'd be upset that, oh, man, I don't own a CFL team. I really love the game. Yeah, all that's great. But they just go back to being great and successful businessmen. The fans are out and the players are out of a job, right? And that's what that's what people need to understand. There, there's zero leverage on it. Um, but, again, like, hey, the only time that, uh, you know, the only people who get hit by the crap in a monkey mm. crap fight is the is the onlookers. And just, it, it, it's just... Uh, you know what it is. It'd be, it'd be, it'd you know be, what it is. It'd be though? detrimental to not even vote on it. Like to not even vote on it. Yeah, that's just. I mean. Okay, so here's my question. You to not vote on it, Balzi. Hmm. The one thing that should be demanded if they don't vote on it, if they don't even go to vote on it, they should. They Ramsey, Elamimian, and all of them need to be put up in front of national media, hmm. and they need to be answering questions for at least an hour. Everybody that's, in this yeah. thing and who's in charge needs to put their feet to the fire. And don't put it on louder. Don't put it on the player rest. No. We need to hear it from Ramsey, Elamimian, um, and whoever else is in the Big Hill, and Diakowski. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed, and I'll tell you why I'm disappointed. I've been nothing but fair to the commissioner. I've been nothing but good to the commissioner. We've had him on a number of times on our show. Oh, I, had yeah. him, I had him on a Randy's road trip. 
And I want to have him on to ask him some questions on the flagship station for the flagship franchise. Not going to happen. And and I and you, I, you're and, not going to answer. And, and, and I can't. And I can't. And I, yeah, but I don't even get the opportunity to ask him. And I'm, and I'm 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 also disappointed in in Dave Naylor and Farhan Lousy. I, I I'm I'm confident I can say. And and it's not that I don't like him. I actually really like. I think Farhan's like a football guy through yep, and through. Yep. And I like Dave Dave Naylor. Uh, I really do, but I'm really disappointed because they've spent so much time trying to convince this the, the stakeholders in this league that it's the Canadian. Like they're even trying to spin a narrative now that it's the Canadians uh, are, are the reason why mm-hmm. there's there's a product problem. Like man, if I could swear on air, I would. That's ridiculous. Well, uh, it's not the Canadians that are that are that are the problem with this league. Mm-hmm. It's narratives like that from Canadians. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what Dave I- Naylor and Farhan Lauji. Mm-hmm. Don't they don't have a job if we don't have a CFL? That's a big chunk of the. It's ridiculous. Job. And Farhan's going to be on the show after six o'clock, so I'm going to ask him some questions. Well, least, Farhan's because Farhan's so good at what he does, but man, like. But at least, but at least he's coming think. on to talk to me. At least yeah, he's going to come yeah, on true. and talk to me. But I will tell you this: you got to help me out with this. How is this league? I asked Brett Lawther that question. How is this league better with 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 one fewer Roger Aldeg? One fewer Bob Poley. Well, well, let me well, let me finish. Because let, let me finish. One fewer one fewer Gene Makowski. One fewer Luke Mulliner. One few uh, one fewer Dan Clark. Listen, I get it's more than Canadians, and I love the Americans in this league too. I think they're great players. We're going to hear from Darnell Sankey in a bit. A great linebacker, the Rough Rider sign. We need those players, and I'm all for the Adam Big Hills, the Brian Burnham's, the T.J. Lees, the guys that have been on a team for eight, nine, ten years. A Dressler type, those kind of guys that we can nationalize them and have them for one, you know, one spot a team, as we've always said. But why? Why does it go from seven and one to six and one? Tell me how it's better. Why? Tell me because. Why. Because that's what happens when you have an agreement and then one party changes that agreement last minute. That's what happens. I'd take it away too. Why would Bobby, you take I would take it away too. A Canadian? No, you're not getting you no no no. You you're you're looking at what's on paper. It's the principle. The principle is this was this was good to go mm-hmm. and then they turned around and changed the agreement. That is exactly what the owners should have done, is take something off the table. Nobody in the history of agreements, in the history of any type of negotiation, agrees to something, mm-hmm. comes back, and, 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 and all of a sudden something's changed and just says, yeah, no problem. Oh, you changed it last minute? On it. Yeah, whatever, cool, we'll sign it anyways. Are you crazy? The CFL's lucky they even looked at it. The CFLPA is lucky they even looked at it. So, of course, they're just, that's the thing. It's the principle. It's not, oh, well, now they're reneging. And I don't want to hear this whole, oh, well, now, you know, the CFL through threatening to, they're threatening to not feed and house the players. No kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Of course they're not. You know why? Because they promised to feed and house you when things were good, when we were talking about and we looked like we had a deal. Mm-hmm. Right? You changed it. Mm-hmm. You changed it. Mm-hmm. Of course they're taking that stuff off the table. It's ridiculous to think that they wouldn't. We got a text for you while your heart simmers down. Let's, I'm glad to see somebody else gets worked up. Let's go yeah. to the text line. Sean, what do you got? Yeah, Connie in uh, Cook's Creek, Luke, says, uh, Luke, the players' union owes nothing to us. Please take your emotions out of this. <laughs> no, the Luke players' now. union doesn't owe anything to you, and, and you're right. And, and I'm just... What, why I'm getting emotional is because nobody's nobody actually it doesn't seem like anybody actually understands 
what the process entails. That's my problem. I, you know, like I, uh, you're right. The union doesn't owe us anything, and you know who else doesn't owe, owe you anything? The the owners. So, if nobody owes you anything, then you're going to be one of the fans that that doesn't mind if the CFL doesn't happen this year. That's what I. That's what I. You know what I mean? Like, here's my thing. Here's my thing. That before, doesn't make. Before, I don't even know. Before why we go to mind. before we go to break. Here, here's my thing. Do these sides, either side, not see the gravity of the situation? How? How? I'll pound this point home again. I don't know how smart people, and I'm going to assume there are some smart people in this. How do smart people? Let it get to this point. We're not talking about millions and billions. We're talking about yeah. we're talking about a mom and pop league that I've always joked is cash flow low. We do want it to get to a point where it's a where it's a pretty lucrative league. Uh, you know, not comparing it to the NFL, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We want to see it grow. But my question is this: How do we get to this point? Do they not realize the gravity of the situation? Uh, listen, yeah. if we do not play football this year. We do not have a Canadian Football League. It is over. It is done because of Rod, because of Connie. They're going to do something else, and they're going to say, "I am done with this league. Yeah. I am not there's, coming back." There's plenty of other sports. Right? There's plenty of other sports. Like, like you know the, and and you know what? In two years, if if this league disappears in two years, people would have found something more to do. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not as if people and you know what? And then 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 we'll see where the players are and the owners are. Then they can feel good about the fact that one of them was right. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, at least they'll know. At least they'll know. You know what? Yeah, I'm really glad we were right. I'm not a football player anymore, but I'm glad we were right. Yeah. That's a good right? point. That's a good point. We're gonna take... I'm working in a factory. <laughs> I'm not kicking field goals or scoring you know, touchdowns. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm working in a factory. I'm working at a, like you know, and no disrespect to the factory workers, but let's be realistic here. Like, this is this is a dream job. This is a dream job, and 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 I just feel like the communication, which should have been there, has not been there, and that's why we're here. It's not like it's it's it comes down to to absolutely abysmal communication. And transparency, I think. It's okay. poor leadership all the way around. Well, the on, both been, si- yeah. on both sides, poor, poor leadership. Uh, and that's really scary. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Yes, sirree. Training camp live from Saskatoon. It's 4.53 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781. 781- 2090. The Real District announced on Wednesday a friendly soccer match between the under-23 teams of Sunderland AFC and Toronto FC will be played at Mosaic Stadium on August 3rd. The Canadian and English football clubs will be a part of the second match Mosaic Stadium has hosted. Their first was back in 2017 when the near Cosmos beat Valencia 2-0. And free agent quarterback Colin Kaepernick is reportedly scheduled to work out with the Las Vegas Raiders, per ESPN's Adam Schefter, the workout would be Kaepernick's first in years with his last active stint in the NFL coming in 2016, the year he started kneeling during the national anthem to protest racial injustice and police brutality. In uh, just one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, Colorado is at home versus St. Louis and the Avs can advance to the Western Conference Final with a win. Colorado up in the series 3-1 puck drops shortly after 6 p.m. 
And some rider news from training camp here. They have signed American defensive lineman Samuel Wright II. He's six foot, two 255 pounds. He comes to the riders after attending rookie camp, uh, rookie minicamp with the Seattle Seahawks. The Georgia native played four collegiate seasons at Princeton University. So in order to add him to the roster, the club has cut American defensive lineman Kalon Davis. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think that it's, I, I don't necessarily know like what Kalon Davis has looked like on film, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't even. I just think that right now, this is the right time for the riders to make that move, uh, and the reason why is because I think that they're they're pretty excited about Keon Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's done a good job. I mean, we were talking about all the weight he's lost, right? Yeah. But one of the things that served him well um, with that weight loss is the fact that I mean he's been playing that hybrid linebacker position in training yeah. camp, and um, he's been working with the ones. And also, I think that hey, Pete Robertson, he's coming ready to go. And when you look at when you look at the three of those guys, right, you would know that okay, a guy like Kalon Davis, Nick Daly. I mean, we're not you know we're not looking at anybody that's mm. going to potentially start anyways. We may as well look at a different mm. guy. So yesterday, before the Golden State Warriors were to take on the Dallas Mavericks, Steve Kerr used his platform uh, after the pr- uh, pregame shoot around uh, to come in and talk about that terrible, terrible mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas that cost the lives of 19 kids between the ages of grade two and grade four and two adults. And, uh, this was a powerful, powerful, powerful speech. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on in terms of politics or guns. This is unreal. I'm not going to talk about basketball. Nothing's, uh, happened with our team in the last six hours. We're going to start the same way tonight. Um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter. Um, since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here. And a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school when are we going to do something i'm tired i'm i'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to to the devastated families that are out there i'm so tired of the excuse me i'm sorry i'm tired of the moments of silence enough there's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on hr8 which is a background check rule that the house passed a couple of years ago it's been sitting there for two years and there's a reason they won't vote on it to hold on to power so i ask you mitch mcconnell i ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings i ask you are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers because that's what it looks like it's what we do every week so i'm fed up i've had enough we're going to play the game tonight but i want every person here every person listening to this to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister brother how would you feel if this happened to you today we can't get numb to this We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And and 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage 
Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want background check, universal background check? 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. Kind of puts a CBA negotiation into perspective, doesn't it? Amen, Steve Kerr. Amen. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage after the 5 o'clock news from Saskatoon for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca and welcome to sunny Saskatoon for day number seven of training camp. And we'll get to some football talk here now. Enough about the CBA for a bit, although the text line is humming. So we'll try to address some of that too. Our text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. This show is brought to you though by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM for 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. Time now for uh, what we like to call our training camp report. And it's brought to you by Eggleman Industries, engineering tough, high-performance equipment for 60 years. We haven't heard from uh, this guy yet, so let's get to him. It is Darnell Sankey, one of the big free agent signings of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, to uh, anchor that outstanding linebacking core. How's the first week of camp gone for you, Justin? Oh, it was great. You know, it was great to come around, fly around with the players. You know, uh, this team's great. You know, a lot of guys I knew already and guys who knew me, and it's great. You know, I'm having a great time. How about the scheme and, and whatnot, learning the new defensive playbook, and is it much different than, than what you've known in the past? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. I would say that we have a little bit more leeway, like a little bit more freedom. We're allowed to make calls on the fly, you know, and Coach Shives really gives us the ability, especially as a Mike linebacker, you know, he kind of puts us in charge and says, you know, do what you see fit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. You know, um, it, when it comes down to it, you're just flying around making plays either way. Hash marks affect you at all or how you play linebacker, how the crew plays linebacker? No, I wouldn't say so. I, I do 100% think it's an advantage to the offense. I mean, that's a given, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have way more real estate to work with. But uh, as a linebacker, I mean, it's the same thing. We fly around and get to the ball, so it doesn't matter. You know? hey, what do you make of that, though? Uh, we asked uh, your defensive coordinator. It looks like it's always geared towards the offense. The defense always has to play right. catch-up, just even with the rules. How do you feel about that? Well, it's an offensive league, right? I mean, even down south, you know, it's, everything's usually catered to the offense, and that's known. I mean, no, it's not a secret. You know, uh, it's just as defenders, we just got to do what we got to do, and we come to play, and, you know, we're, we're a little bit more from the mud, I would say. So, you know, I don't mind. Like I said, it's it's great. You know, I love this league, and I love the organization. And, you know, I'm excited for the future. You've got a lot of good competition um, surrounding you. Can you just talk about, you know, guys like Moncrief and, and even Dean and, and Titan, guys like that, and even the backups, just having all that competition around? It's a, it's a great thing. It forces me as a player, especially the new guy coming in, the free agent signing, to really step my game up. You know, I really make sure that I'm able to come in here and learn the playbook, learn the scheme, and lead, you know, lead the defense. That's what they want to see, especially from, the, like I said, from the middle linebacker. They want to know that you're capable of that, you know, and like you said, there's plenty of other competition, and we're all fighting for a job. Everybody knows that, you know, and the best players are going to play on the field, and that's great. I love it. Does that just come naturally to you, that leadership, and or is it just being in that spot, you have to be the leader? Even though you're the new guy, you're, you're probably going to be the leader, right? Um, I wouldn't say 
I wouldn't say it's just a position. I think that I guess it does come naturally for me. You know, I feel like I've been kind of like in that role for the majority of my life, especially you know in my professional career playing down south. And you know, I feel like I've always kind of tried to step up and be that. And I feel like guys respect me. So you know, and guys also respect you know work, right? You know, they, they see you out here working, they see you out here running to the ball, making plays, and you know you have to respect it. You know, as long as you're not treating people bad and. You know, you're respecting the coach, you're respecting each other. I mean, it's, it's not really much to hate on, right? You know, so. I talked to uh, Charlton about coming back here. He said about midway through training camp in Toronto, he knew he made a bad decision. You've been here for, you know, seven days in camp. What in your mind affirms to you that I made the right decision coming to Saskatchewan? I would say just the overall vibe. You know, I've been feeling a lot of love, especially from the fans, you know, the fans, the the media, the coaches, the players. You know, I, I haven't really had any problems with anybody here. Uh, I feel like for the most part that I'm respected, you know, not only as a player but as a man. You know, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, I, when I was making my decision with my agent back and you know, when things opened up, we really took a look at everything and, I mean, we broke down it all, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm excited to get things going. You know, there's, I don't have any complaints. I always like to ask the visiting guys when you're on that sideline and bring them out, bring them outs on, and right. all the fans are into it, and it feels like it matters. Does it? It must have piqued your interest. Gee, I wonder what it would be like to to play here. I wonder what it would be like. Yeah, I actually said uh, when I first signed, like I forgot. Somebody asked me like. Well, it was like a major factor, and I actually said that, you know, playing here, especially, I think we, we played here, I believe, twice. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, the fans were just, it was just crazy. I just remember, like, the whole stadium just rocking, and it was just, like, totally my vibe. And it was really my vibe because I think it reminded me of playing down south, just like those giant stadiums, you know, and it was just, like, I mean, you don't really get that as much in Calgary. It's, like, a great, you know, the fan base is great, but it's nowhere near you know, Saskatchewan. I mean, it's not even close. You know, especially when you go into the stadium, you see all that green, and you're you're on the other side of the sideline. It's like, oh, whoa. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff going to talk with the CBA in those season. You're a veteran. What do you start thinking? Um, to be honest, I really don't really know if I'm even allowed to say anything regarding to that. Uh, I mean, I think that in general, it's. Um, both sides are clashing, obviously, and I mean, I'm still new to the league, so I don't really, I'm not really too knowledgeable with all that. Is the uncertainty, though, as a player, hard to deal with, or do you just put on the pads every day and go to work and they'll figure it out behind the scenes? I think you said it like that, you know, you just come out here, I have a job, coaches have a job, you know, and my job is to come out here and lead the defense, so that's what I do. Like. That's uh, Darnell Sankey of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yes, okay, let me point this out. I want to point this out, okay? I didn't realize I was working with a broadcasting giant here. So here's the deal. We've got this machine, okay? And I, listen, listen, i got to point this out because it annoys the hell out of me too. So I, I have to, because of these this CFL protocol of COVID, if it'll ever go away, but I'm, I'm, I'm adhering to it, okay? So we can't be right next to the guys. So I have to have a microphone set up with my microphone by Sankey, for instance, and then I have to be about five feet away. Well, in the past, when I plugged the microphone in, 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 in two or three days ahead, like previous, my level, like with the mic I have, it's not either, it's so directional or it's not right, so you can't really hear my question. So then today I, I pumped it up, and I'm, I'm breathing like I'm in a, 
in a uh, adult, in an adult film. Like it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was bad, so I apologize. I didn't realize John Madden that you, you, want, you want to teach me how to do it. <laughs> We're in a locker. We're in a locker. Zinger, can you can you save can you save us? I'm like just saying, man. Can you save? It sounded, it sounded like you just run like five oh. miles. To I don't know, man. I'm laughing over here pretty hard, too. Yeah. Yeah. You, got oh, you know what, you, know what you guys? Hey, Zinger, Zinger, it sounds like he literally just ran the 100-meter dash. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny about this? You <laughs> chuckled, you two chuckleheads. Here's the funny thing. This dude here is a professional athlete. He comes up. He's gone downstairs twice to take a pee. He comes up each time going like this. Oh, oh my knee shot. Oh, oh my knee shot. <laughs> Oh, anyway, Zinger, 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 pull up a couple of texts. Oh, okay. Where do I go from here? I've got, uh, <laughs> I got Cam on the text line. He says, uh, successful negotiation means trading concessions. CFLPA has to accept the cost of what they asked for. They will be forced to accept this deal or uh, lose much more money. That's from uh, Cam. Mm -hmm. uh, Josh texted in as well. The players should be trying to build the league and its relations with the fans, but instead they go on strike just... Think how many fans, me for one, uh, will be ticked off at them and probably will never watch them play ever again. I'm all in with making the league for just Canadians only, and these Americans can go play in the USFL instead. That's mm. from Josh. Yeah, okay, I wouldn't, I, I'm going to step in there. Let's not make it anti-Canadian, anti-American. They're all in it together. And let's not just bang on the players because... Uh, the league could have done a lot too. Uh, it, it's it, now my knowledge is the players wanted to have um, discussions earlier. The, it's a negotiating tactic, Luke. You could talk to that. You back them into the corner till it's the eleventh hour, and you try to make them make a deal. And maybe that's part of it. These guys maybe weren't getting the advice that you talked about. Yeah. They panicked. They said, "Okay, here's the deal. We're going to go with this deal." And they're like, "Wait, that wasn't a good deal. We don't want that deal." So that could be part of it too. Let's not just wipe our hands with the league and say, "Oh, the league's right and the players." Are wrong. They're both oh, no, wrong. No, no. They're both wrong. Yeah. Let's not jump on the players. Let's hold both feet to the fire. This is atrocious on both sides, yeah. and both sides need to ask fans for forgiveness because this is embarrassing. Yeah, it's the fans that are going to lose out here, you know, uh, and especially in Saskatchewan, man. I, you know, one of the the best parts. Well, you wouldn't know this, and it doesn't look like you're about to find out anytime <laughs> soon. But one of the best parts about calling these games are because we know that the farmers are out there busting their tail. Mm. on their equipment listening to the game we know that the truckers moving grain moving resources you know across the prairies they're listening to the game you know that people are driving three or four hours down and back you know that people are driving six hours down mm -hmm. and back you know and it's a real privilege to be able to call a game and to and to prepare to call a game in that reason you know i you're one of the guys i feel sorry for the most man you've waited a long time and and then right now it, all of this is in flux but who man, wouldn't want to hear a guy breathing on the mic yeah, yeah exactly i mean who wouldn't want to hear a guy having this is like this is this is the equivalent we draw analogies a lot this is the equivalent of these guys couldn't organize a one-car parade uh, they, they they couldn't. The, the the league offered them a blue car, and they showed up at the parade and said, "Yeah, the blue car is good. We'll sign off on it." They get there, they're like, "No, I wanted the red car." So now it's like, so so the blues car is gone. They've got the red car. Now they're really not. They're 
no, this red car's not very good either. Well, guess what? You're going to walk. And I'm over here waiting 20 years to call the parade. <laughs> I don't get to call the parade. Oh, man. What a gong show. By the way, folks, I won't breathe like that on the mic all the time. I, a, 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 Adam and Theodore texted, and he said, LOL, exclamation mark. I wasn't going to say anything about Balsy's grunting, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> LOL at it. <laughs> I don't even want to run the rest of these <laughs> because you guys don't even listen to what I have. <laughs> hey, so but let's talk. We're about, gonna be all listening. Can, can we just keep? Can we just keep? All right. Get, what do you think of Darnell Sankey and how he oh, solidified this life? You know what? Effort? Again, one of the things that I love about Darnell Sankey is his is his effort. Remember we were talking a little bit of effort is his edge, and it wasn't just earlier on in like day three that we talked about it because we mentioned it there. Mm -hmm. It's continued, right? And that's the best part about it's leadership by example, right? Mm. Leadership is agile. Sometimes you got to lead from the back. Sometimes you got to lead from the middle. Sometimes you got to lead from the front. And right now what we're seeing from Darnell Sankey is a guy that was willing to lead from the front. When you're the first guy to the ball, when you're the guy – uh, you know, being vocal when you're the guy encouraging everybody else that that type of of attitude is contagious. Mm -hmm. It brings the energy to everybody else, and it's no wonder, right? That this is this defense seems like it's a lot farther ahead than the offense, and that always happens naturally. But by the way, I thought the offense did a lot better today. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. I thought, and I thought it was Cody's one of Cody's better days too. But again, Sankey. I think the guys, everything that um, the guy came as advertised, and so far it, he's shown up. He's been a great leader on that field. I'm not sure, obviously we don't we're not in the mm -hmm. lo um, the locker room in the film room, so we don't know what. But on the field, he's doing everything right, and that's going to be contagious. And as long as effort is your edge, especially when effort, if your effort is your edge, and mm -hmm. you're a really talented player, that's even better. Mm -hmm. And that's what he is. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll try to get to some more interviews. You'll be able to uh, critique my breathing. <laughs> But please listen to the interviews because that's why I did them. When we come back, we'll get some more. I also got an NFL point I want to get to, too. This is the sports cage for spreads.ca. We're taking your breath away here on 620 CKRM. <laughs> Brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250 live from Saskatoon. The only radio station on site at Ryder Training Camp. Your voice of Rough Riders football, 620 CKRM. I'm the very breathy Michael Ball, joined by Luke Molitor, our color commentator. Yeah, can, we can make fun of me all we want. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be the guy that brings some smiles to a day when <laughs> we're, go, like, we're not sure. Now Apparently, John positive. Hodge who is from Three Down Nation, is uh, on the show uh, regularly. He said it looks like, from his understanding, the people he's talked to, the CFLPA is going to take the vote to their membership tonight. Good, good. So let's uh, good. let's uh, see what they have to say there. By the way, this uh, portion of our show is brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Just ahead of one of the local products, turning some heads. Local, I mean, in Regina. Uh, Riley Borsma here at camp. Mm. He's round pick. We, got, uh, we talked to him. Now, uh, this came out on one of the betting um, sites, and it's not uh, paying our bills like spreads.ca, so I'm not going to mention it, but uh, <clears throat> the NFL MVP odds. Justin Herbert is the best odds to win the MVP, according to this one line, yeah. uh, at plus 550. Josh <clears throat> Allen of the Bills, plus 600. Patrick Mahomes, plus 900. Burrow, plus 1,100. And Aaron Rodgers rounds up the top five at plus oh, 1,400. I like the Burrow. Do you like him? Burrow and I, th I out of all those guys you just mentioned, mm -hmm. I would go Burrow and Allen. Yeah. 
I'd put fifty bucks on each. You don't think the you don't think Herbert's ready to step to the next level? They beefed up their old. No, line I do. I, I, the problem with Herbert is is that division in there. Mm. You know, I feel like the Chargers True. are one 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 loss away on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Right from and and you know how it goes with those mm-hmm. those those reporters that get those votes, man. If you're not mm-hmm. winning the division, you're yeah. automatically slighted. Yeah. So, uh, I think that yeah, I, man, Josh Allen, he's so unique. He's and he's getting better, right? That's yeah, he is, he is getting better. And on this random day in Las Vegas, friends, John Gruden is suing the Raiders. That went to court, and Colin Kaepernick, Good. who sued the NFL, is actually getting a tryout with that. You know what? Listen, I'm all for Colin Kaepernick. I, I'm, all, I'm and I and I, like a lot of other people. I appreciate that everything that he was trying to accomplish. But if I'm looking at a football from a, this from purely a football perspective, I'm really happy that he got that workout. But man, like it, that's a long time to not compete. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's one thing to make videos when you're in shorts and shirts and throwing mm-hmm. JUCO players, right? Like it's a total other thing. But again, the nice part about it is those those workouts. Sometimes, I mean, we we often embellish those workouts a lot, right? A lot oftentimes those workouts are like, okay, come in. They put they got you in short and they like ask you to do like a mm-hmm. twenty yard shuttle mm-hmm. and throw to like the manager. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's right. So. Who knows? Best of luck to him, though. Yeah. I've been watching Riley Borzma very closely, former Ram receiver. He still has a year of eligibility left. This guy's got thick legs. He's not very big. He's kind of like a Weston wrestler size. Uh, But I was interested. He had a good rookie camp, but that's rookie camp. He's come out here in training camp and not missed a beat. I don't know if it's going to because they got a great receiving core. He's going to go back to the Rams, most likely. But I'll tell you what, Luke, well, I'll get your comment after this. Yeah. Hopefully it's not too breathy. Yeah. But I got an interview with Riley Borsma. I want you to listen, and then I'll get a comment from you on what you hear from Riley. Riley Borsma, assess your camp so far. Uh, good. I think it's went well. You know, I picked up the playbook well. You know, I don't think I had any mental mistakes today. Uh, so I've been done, doing good on that front. And then just whenever I get the ball thrown to me, you know, taking advantage of it, running crisp routes and, and doing what I can, I think I've, I've done a good job and taking advantage of my opportunities. Have you been confident right through or was there a moment in camp where you're like, I can run with these pros? I'm a professional football player. Yeah, well, it just when I came in in rookie camp, I had like just like our first day. I think I got like four one-on-one reps and, you know, I think I won them all. And that was just really like gave me like a... A lot of confidence coming into everything, and, and uh, yeah, I just kind of kept that going. And I think, I think also after training for the combine and you know putting up the numbers that I did, like I knew I had the physical tools to play at this level. So I think that gave me a lot of confidence as well. What's the biggest adjustment from you sports? Uh, I mean, you'll say the speed, but is there anything else uh, that you that you've had to adjust That's to true. out here? Yeah, I think uh, like one thing, like I could always just kind of win with like athleticism, like in the U sports level, like just be faster than the guy I am and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And here, you know, everyone's a really good athlete, so it's like I just have to focus on kind of all the fundamentals and stuff like that, like really good route running and stuff. I can't just like run an okay route and win. I have to run a really good route in order to win here. It's a good way to put it. So. What's the one route you really need to work on in your mind here as you assess so seven days of training camp and then the rookie camp? Uh, I think probably like running a dig from because I've been playing field side wide out and I'm, I have never played field side wide out before. So trying to win on a dig to field side wide out is hard in general, but I think that's something I really got to work on, something I'm not used to. What makes that hard? Uh, well, you got, like, you're so far out to the the sideline and you can't really like threaten them with something to the outbreaking so they can sit inside of you you can't really get inside so you got to kind of make them think you're running a fade and then come back underneath them mm-hmm. so it's just kind of limited ways to run that route uh, speak speak with the hash marks for me riley how has that changed uh, a receiver spot 
Yeah, um, well, it's nice kind of playing field side wide out because, like I just said, you have that problem still, like being close to the sideline, but it brings you in a little bit more, so it gives you a little bit more room to play with. Uh, so I definitely noticed that. Um, and maybe get the ball a little more out there, too, yeah, than you would normally, right? In, yeah. In, a, in the old way. It's going to be different, though, because if something happens, like hopefully you make the team, but if something happens and you have to go back to U Sports, you go yeah, back to the old way, so the, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, Any indication, uh, Riley, about uh, where your path is right now? Do you think you're on track to make this team, or, or how are you feeling? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. I mean, I've had a good camp. I've mm-hmm. heard lots of, you know, had positive uh, remarks made from all the coaches. Uh, you know, I think I've... I've done a good job impressing them. It's, it's hard to say. I have no clue really when it comes to depth or making a team. Yeah, do you know if you'll get much time in the in the first preseason game provided we have a preseason game? Uh, I haven't talked to the coaches about yeah. that at all yet. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I've heard like different things from different people about who's playing the first game, who's playing the second game, so I'll just have to wait and see. Right, is it hard to block out what's going on with the CBA? We still don't have this thing settled. It looks like it's far from being settled as we talk right now. Uh, how's that weighing on a young guy trying to get into the league, a young Canadian? Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying not to think about it because it's all, you know, out of my control and I just got to focus on what's in front of me uh, and I, I don't really know too much, like, what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I can't vote or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely kind of, like, unfortunate, you know, as a guy that comes in to camp and you're getting a lot of that time that you have to impress coaches taken away from you. So, I mean, that's unfortunate, but everyone's in the same camp that comes out as rookies. So. Two more questions. What's the mood like in the locker room from your perspective? You can't vote, but you're there. You're amongst the brethren, the Canadians, the Americans. What's the, what's the mood like? Is it getting more tense here because we're in uncertain waters? Um, you know, I haven't really noticed that too much. I think everyone's done a really good job of kind of just making it seem like let's just go business as usual. And, you know, things are kind of, you know, somewhat out of our control. So let's just take everything seriously and just try not to think about it mm-hmm. until that time comes so it's, it seems like the energy hasn't changed much actually to be honest so Riley Borzma who's helped you out here has there been a coach has there been a player another fellow receiver a quarterback that's uh, kind of helped you out along the way here uh yeah all the coaches have been you know super supportive uh done a really good job coaching and then you know guys like like Mitch I've, I've known Mitch for like a long time so he's helped me out quite a bit on like just little nuances of the playbook and stuff like that and all the vets have been you know really super helpful and uh and yeah i yeah. guess that's it and what- thanks to riley borsma and uh yeah guys i, I really apologize i got to get these interviews out because they're good interviews like the, it's good to talk to these guys i i will fix this tomorrow with the audio i'm going to use i'm Never mind. I figured out what I got to do differently. Luke, it's training camp for everybody. Yep, I got to get some stuff figured out here. I think I'm a good interviewer, but I'm also apparently a really good grunter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It, you're right. It Let's talk about Borsman, yeah. seriously, because it, this guy, I I don't remember him being, I knew he was decent, but I don't remember him being this quick and fast. Yeah. He hasn't looked at a place here at all. No, and you know what I was going to say? Uh, full credit to head coach Mark McConkie, mm-hmm. to a guy like Addison Richards, mm-hmm. um, because Riley Borsma really reminds me of when Mitch Pickton first got to this this team. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because he is prepared. He was ready for this camp. And I don't know what they're doing at the U of R program, but this is the second U of R receiver that's come, that I've been really, really impressed with. I'm impressed with his IQ. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with his ability to catch the football, obviously. And he seems to be catching on. You know, you can really tell the wide receivers that are, are thinking too much. They're the guys that, that aren't as hesitant coming out of their breaks. This guy's out there having fun. So regardless if he makes the team this year or not because it's a it's a loaded it's a loaded team uh, at the receiver position 
this guy has come out and they, and he's put forward an effort thus far that his family, himself, and his and his university should be proud of. It's a good point. And the Rams have been known as receiver you. You look at Chris Bauman was a guy drafted yeah. very high, top pick. You got. Uh, I thought Bauman was a lot yeah. better than his career ended. Up. Yeah, you got you got th- you got this guy. You got Picton. You got Jason Claremont. And when I think of this six, and, when I think of this six and one rule, this six and one, mm-hmm. think about not having a Jason Claremont on the field and it like you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. I, I get what you're saying, and they have to take stuff off the table, and it's negotiating. I just don't see how the league is better with less Canadian potential stars on the field. Now, if they're looking for roster flexibility, I get it in injury situations. Mm-hmm. They're looking for down the road in a seven-year agreement, hopefully having a Halifax team. Well, that's the big Okay, one. okay. That's, but that's what I'm saying, sustainability. Yeah. And, and there's the macro picture mm-hmm. that I think the players, and that's where I think the disconnect is. I don't think the macro issues are being looked at enough at the players' level. I think it. that's why they're focused on some really I – th- I, that's why I say mm-hmm. – the, it's a leadership and a communications fail mm. because in every agreement there's a macro and there's a micro and those have to work simultaneously and they have to be cohesive and they have to right so so that's what I really but again I think that yeah we were talking about Borsman you know like this guy he's come in here and he's done a great job runs great right. routes I mean, catches the ball right yeah, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know you wouldn't know if this kid was in Canadian University if yeah. he didn't have the depth chart. If I just lined up a bunch of names, yeah. And you wouldn't. And you know what else? To 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 the conversations credit, you wouldn't know whether he was a Canadian. No, or not. no. And that's just, if you just had the guys out here, I didn't give you the thing. Mm-hmm. And, You'd think, hey, man, that guy's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting angle. All right, when we come back, we'll have more. We'll try to hear from our defensive coordinator, Jason Shivers. I also wanted to pick Luke's brain about the offensive line and what he's seen from there, and if we should have any concerns. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. I had it said that Darth I, Vader is I'm, the play, yeah, you know what, man that, of and the that's, And that's what I'm doing, guys. You haven't picked up on it. Today, <laughs> All right, here we go. It was on this day in 1977, the first Star Wars movie yeah. came out, and I was just trying to see if you guys could pick up on that. I was doing my Darth Vader imitation. Very good, Luke. <laughs> good. Congratulations. I'll buy you a lottery ticket Friday. You picked up on what I was doing. What a professional I am. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, only uh, you could tell that and turn that into a story. By the way, success. by the way, I had said I had said I sounded like I was in an adult movie. <laughs> Zinger Zinger came up with the title "Ballsy Does Camp." <laughs> that's good, Zinger. I'll give you oh, one. Okay, funny. speaking of Zinger, let's uh, head out on uh, the text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln nine three six sixty two sixty two. If you want to interact, including poking fun at me, what do we got, Zinger? Yeah, John uh, wants to poke some fun. He says, "Ballsy, your breathing uh, brings a whole new meaning to the name." Rough Rider, thanks for the giggle, uh, John from uh, Alberta. Listening, uh, we got a few more in here. I think I got to screen them first, though, Ballsy, before I read them on the air. Okay, but you better we, screen those. Yeah, yeah. some we of you guys are getting. We're, we're putting yeah. guys through the, the, the yeah, border patrol let's, nowadays. Yeah, yeah, let's the sea care and border patrol. <laughs> you, you sports cage shareholders, as I like to call our listeners, make sure you. Uh, we want to keep the show on the rails. Um, okay, uh, I wanted to uh, bring up the offensive line. Yeah. Um, I've seen Taron Vaughn more out of pads than I've seen him in pads. Mm-hmm. Should I be concerned about that? Um, yes and no, right? Uh, I think that 
no in terms of we know this is a guy that's coming off a pretty major injury. It's also he hasn't played ball in three years because of that major injury. And if there's any one guy you really need to be playing in week one, whatever mm. that is, it's, it's mm. probably Taron Vaughn along that old line. So so it's a yes and no type of deal, but but um, but I think that right now it's 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 not of a huge concern i don't think that it should set off alarm bells yeah, i wasn't too impressed with natai rogers early on in camp have you been paying attention more to him well, and what are you seeing from number 51 well yeah and i agree with you i am not i'm not i wasn't blown away by him or um jamal campbell for that matter but i do think too that these are these are both offensive linemen who are in a new system as well, right? So let's give them the grace of, of just catching on here maybe in this first week, you would expect. But here's the thing, like right now, like for instance today, I mean, it was it was the physical there's the physical inconsistencies when it comes to Natai Rogers, right? So you would uh and you know, he has struggled in pass protection here. But mm-hmm. again, we've alluded to the fact that in camp it's the old linemen who usually take the, the longest to to catch up or, or get their feet underneath them. So let's hope that that's happening. But you definitely would want more out of a guy that you're bringing in and is at that right tackle. One of the things, though, that, that I that if we're on the alignment, if you, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Um, I don't mind. Because uh, Furland and because St. John have been out, um, it's actually opened the door for Zach Fry to take some. And how's he looked, in your opinion? <clears throat> I think the potential's there. I, he comes off the ball. Right, he's he, he he comes off the ball with intent to knock guys off the open, uh, off the line of scrimmage, and if you and if you have that intent and the willingness to do that, a guy like Steven Sorrells can get you right. So that's a really positive thing. There's a ton of potential there. I think right now when you look at him, he's very raw, but one of the things he's used to playing the guys that he's been playing, he needs to, Steven Sorrells has to work with him on on being a leaner. Right, because right now that's where he's getting in trouble. He's he's firing off the ball, but he's he's getting his head down. He's getting top heavy and, and over top of his linemen, toes. Yeah, and defensive linemen are shedding him easily. Mm. Right, so I think if you start there and just help teach, you know, really come come with some some leverage and and coach in that matter, I think he's got all the uh, all the potential to be a guy that the riders can rely on at some point. Yeah, I watched Dan Clark work in the end zone after practice, and I, I'm I'm I. We know his story, scraping, clawing. Now he's the anchor of the offensive line. But we talk about so many things. If this guy goes down, if this guy goes down. The Riders, I think, were banking on Matlin Riley to be the next guy in waiting to see if he could be that center, mm. uh, you know, centerpiece of the offensive line. Of course, he mm. retired. If Dan Clark goes down... All bets are off. We're hooped. All bets are off if Dan Clark goes down. Like he's a, it's Cody Fajardo and Dan Clark, the two most important injuries on this team. Offensive, offensively? I just think in general. That's the quarterback of the heartbeat of your team, the offensive line, and the quarterback of your team. Like Those are the two most guys that cannot go down. One of the things that I don't think people give credit or enough credit to Dan for is, is the way he's able to communicate. He's got those guys in sync. And if there's one guy whose job was really hard last year it was Dan Clark right when you're working with a bunch of new guys mm-hmm. in the center there's there's things that 
that you have to pay more attention to right there's so you know your job and you're used to pointing out the the guy they're setting the, the offensive scheme on you're used to pointing out the middle linebacker you're used to pointing out you know calling out whether the the offensive line is going left or right for instance right but there's always that sort of second um, secondary communication with a really new line like mm-hmm. hey keep this in mind right hey so and so watch for this this is big right so so yeah, I think that if Clark goes down, I think the the next guy to go in at center would be probably maybe be Furland, right? But the problem is if Furland goes to center, who's going to play guard? Mm-hmm. And Zach Fry is doing good. He's not ready yet, but he's doing good, and I think he will be ready. I think that there's a, again there's a ton of potential in it. I I I personally I think he I think he's doing great. And again, he's a big dude. He is a big guy. Like this is a big dude. Got to get in the weight room, and build up that strength. But you got—you can't be a top-heavy guy, and that—that that right there is something that jumps out off the page at you when you watched him today. But again, he's working with the ones, and it's about the film, right? Mm-hmm. Steven Sorrells. If 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 you and I can point out a couple of a couple of coachable mm-hmm. items, just watching practice from the press box. Imagine what Steven Sorrells is able to do yeah. with the benefit of film and time. And, and and there's no and if there's one coach you're never going to doubt on this whole staff, it's actually Steven yeah. Sorrells because he's done a fantastic job of getting guys ready. Good point. And uh, just a couple of other notes. Uh, Duke Williams left early. He jammed <clears throat> his finger, coach said. Yeah. But he'll be okay. Uh, also, we had uh, vet days for... A.C. Leonard, who's had a lot of vet days, and uh, Larry Dean uh, got a vet day. Uh, they gave him the day. He said, I don't want the day. They said, take the day. So uh, there you go. And, yeah, uh, I wouldn't want the day either if I was Dean. No? No. No. I'm not in the position where I'm the starting guy. I, I don't want but, the day. But can I read into that? Are they like, okay, we, we have a plan for this guy? Because we talked about he could be, you know, he's scraping against some of these young guys to make the team. But if you're giving a guy a vet day, does that mean you're 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 hoping to save him because you want well, to have him for the just, year? Well, you may be saving him just so to make sure that he that he's able to bet his, put his best foot forward in the exit. In a game, game yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that linebacker group, uh, again, Nigel Harris, Michael Pinckney. Yeah. Um, Michael Tights, who's out. Yep. Yep. Michael, Michael Tights hasn't even been out here. Here's the thing. like, If I'm making a decision mm-hmm. as the GM or the head coach on that linebackers group, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, just, I, I personally couldn't see them sacrificing one of these younger guys that have also been playing well mm-hmm. for a guy it, that's Larry Dean's age. And it's not an it's not a it's not a shot against what he's done out of camp. Mm-hmm. It's just like when again, it's that long term vision versus immediate right now present state. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll get to some text. Singers weeded through them and uh, got us some good ones to read on our text line. The show's brought to you by Spreads.ca. It's coming to you from Saskatoon on your Voice of Rough Riders Football. Six twenty CKRM. Five fifty-one with your sports tickers for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Seven eight one, twenty ninety. NBA tonight, Eastern Conference Finals, Game Five with the series knotted at two. Boston at Miami for a six thirty p.m. start, and the Dallas Mavericks avoided the sweep with a one nineteen to one oh nine win over the Warriors last night. Game Five goes tomorrow back in San Francisco. In just one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, Colorado is at home versus St. Louis, and the Avs can advance to the Western Conference Final with a win. Colorado up in the series 
three games to one. Puck drops shortly after 6 p.m. And to the text line quickly, got Mike texting in. He says, CFL is a circus, fellas. They had uh, from the middle of December to April to figure this out. And now a week before training camp, they get back to negotiating. Commissioner should be fired for not doing his job earlier and not getting this done months ago. It's a joke, end quote from Mike. And one more quick one from Tony in Regina. Thanks for listening, Tony. Thanks for texting in. He says, I think this CBA thing is just so very sad, but I do mostly blame the league. They refused to start bargaining early. Then they came out with that stupid first offer, which I feel soured the players from trusting anything the league says. That's Tony and Regina. Thanks, Tony. Really appreciate the, the comments. All the comments. Keep them coming on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line, 936-6262. And uh, this show brought to you by spreads.ca. Let's uh, hear from the Riders' defensive coordinator, Jason Shivers. First off, how do you... Uh... How excited are you with all these linebackers you can put in different spots and put on the field, and how are you going to pull it off? Oh, well, it's definitely exciting, you know, seeing those guys run around right now. It's been been great, you know, as far as you don't have to push them, right? They're pushing everybody in the group and making everybody better as far as their tempo and how they get to the ball, and, you know, I'm just waiting for them to unleash them in the game and let them be nasty and hit somebody. How was Larry Dean, Moncrief, Oh, very versatile. I mean, our our defense is positionless anyway. I've talked to them a lot about that, where you don't just learn one position. You have to learn the overall scheme and how you fit into that. So I think they're doing a great job with that. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about that group. I think Coach Melvin, Deion Melvin is doing a great job with them and drills and getting them to understand the fundamentals and we're big on that we're big on the fundamentals so you know we're not trying to out uh, scheme somebody we want to hit you in your mouth we want you to know we there you know we're going to create one-on-ones and we're going to cross habit is sankey as advertised of course did you see him <laughs> <laughs> what does he bring to this defense oh just i mean aggression leadership want to as far as you know taking in all the information he's just soaking it up and uh asking really great questions and um like i tell him yeah we're gonna keep it simple man we're gonna let your athleticism shine and that's what it's about right we have new hash marks <laughs> what is that how does that impact you i wonder which i wonder if on the weak side you're gonna have to give you a different style of linebacker because it may be more balls in the game yeah i mean we're looking at that uh that's a great great point there more of a balanced type dime linebacker um but i think our linebackers and you know what jeremy in our uh, personnel department has done has been great as far as the, the athletes we got there. So I think we don't have to make too many tweaks. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how quarterbacks want to work on the, in the weak side. Of Coach, what have you seen? Offensive guy, they keep dumping things to make the offense better. Is it fair? You ever get frustrated? Pardon, to come again? The fact they keep going to get more offense in the league and make it more challenging for defensive guys. Do you ever think they get back off? Give us a chance to do what we got to do? Oh, yeah, I mean. That's just been always the the classic history of being on the defensive side. Everything's stacked against you, you know, and that's what makes it good. And, you know, that's why guys love playing defense, right? Because when you can make an offense submit to you, uh, it's nothing better. Coach, what do you see from DeBeer? It looks like he lost. He told me he lost about 50, 60 pounds. Is that, has that made his game better, different? What do you see from him? Yeah, he's definitely, I mean, he's always been a uh, flexible 
athletic, explosive guy, but I think by him trimming down a little bit, I've definitely seen him moving around a lot more. Uh, he's put a, a lot of time into his pass game, pass rush game with uh, A.C. Leonard this offseason, and it's, it's showing on the field. It's what about the young guy, LaCombo, coming back from Achilles? He had an interception a few days ago in practice. What have you seen from him? Oh, man, just finally get to see him. Like, that's, mm -hmm. You know, that's the big thing. So Nelson's been great. Uh, we're just taking our time with him. As you say, he's made some big plays. And just to see his explosive movement and fit inside of our defense, it's like, wow, it's um, eye-popping. Of course, with the departures of the game, there are a bunch of spots. What do you see from the likes of Webb and Milligan and the guys who were here last year, but also the group that's new to this team? Oh, yeah. I thought they the first couple days, you know, rookie camp was pretty – wasn't that great, you know, so uh, we had to really work on them and, and, you know, have them coming up from down south. They like to use the motor technique. We're more of a shuffle, uh, punch and widen team, so that took a little time, but they've definitely assimilated into the defense now. Uh, Rowe was doing a great job over there at the boundary half spot. Definitely missed, you know, the guys that left, but, hey, we got a new guy stepping up and created opportunity for guys to shine, and, you know, you have to embrace that. I think that's what life's about, just being able to embrace change. What do you see guys from, like, Pete Robertson and Anthony Lanier and Webb and the guys who got that first taste of the CFL and how they come back in here too. How important is that offseason between them? Oh, it's huge. I mean, just to see their growth and even for them, um, they talk a lot about now that they can actually focus on the fundamentals that we're talking about in drills and, and getting better at those fundamentals because they don't have to think about the scheme. They know what's going on. They understand the, the process of how the foundation is built and how we build out from there throughout the season. So, yeah, those guys are web. They're doing a great job as far as being leaders and catching the young guys up on some of, on some of my coaching styles. That's Jason Shivers, defensive coordinator for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll get some comments from Luke Molitor on the other side of 6 o'clock about that couple of your texts and we'll hear from Farhan Lalji also after six o'clock. This is the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. And welcome back to Saskatoon for the final half an hour of day number seven of training camp. Ballsy along with Luke Mulder, color commentator on the Rough Rider Radio Network. I know, go by Michael Ball, but most people know me as Ballsy, so I'm not going to change that up. This show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM, and they'll match your first deposit of 25 to $250. Before we get to our next guest on the Western Pizza Hotline, and the hotline is brought to you by Western Pizza. Dinner time, game time, any time, a great time to order Western Pizza. We'll get the far handle all in a second. Uh, you heard Jason Shivers talk Luke Molitor before the break. What's your thoughts on what our uh, innovative, outstanding defensive coordinator yeah. had to say? Yeah, we always talk about future head coaches in this league, and, and, and I always, you hear all the names that are thrown out, and, and Jason Shivers is is never the name that's thrown out, and I actually think that's a good thing because <laughs> I think that one of the reasons why some of these other coaches have failed um, at the head coaching duties because they've been rushed into it. They've been, you know, Jason Moss is a really good example mm -hmm. of it. Um, not to say Jason Moss isn't going to be a good head coach one day, but I think he was given the, the title too early and just wasn't ready. And I think that Jason Moss is is the future of this league if if if, if they allow him to continue to develop. Yeah. Great upbringing, obviously, having his coaching sort of journey start with Chris Jones. Um, I love the fact. That that he's a he's a guy that takes you know he, you heard him right when he was talking to Sankey he's like we're going to use your athleticism and those are the successful coaches the successful coaches that look at the guys that they've got off the bus and then develop their scheme those are the guys who are going to who are going to succeed more often than not not the guys that are like you have to do this in my scheme and this is mm -hmm. what we're going to do so all right let's get to our guest Farhan Lalji uh, on the Western Pizza Hotline how are you today Farhan 
I'm good. Just uh, diving into all this ratio stuff. Just finished a quarterback training session with uh, my son and a, and a mm-hmm. coach that he works with. And, yeah, just, uh, you know, good day out here on the West Coast. So, Farhan, uh, first off, uh, truth be told, well, not truth be told, I, I respect uh, – I respect your opinion. It comes uh, highly regarded. You're uh, your former amateur coach, longtime amateur coach. So I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw your tweet, and it was, <clears throat> how would you feel if you were an American player and looked across the dressing room and and had to look at a Canadian that cost you maybe cost you a game check? It took me back, man. I I, I have to say, it took me back. I had a few players approach me and say, "What's up with that?" Uh, I've always known you as a guy that's supported Canadian football, not only at the amateur level, obviously, but, uh, but uh, of course, uh, you're on the host broadcaster, not only as a reporter, but a play-by-play guy. So I thought I'd bring you on here and let you, uh, I don't want to say defend yourself, but expand on the tweet. You only get 250 characters or whatever it is. So uh, just <laughs> verbally say on Sports Cage kind of what you meant, okay? Sure, and I appreciate that. And listen, um, the same respect goes the other way because so many people who talk about the ratio don't often have a sense of what they're talking about in terms of player development and where they come from. And you do, right? Like, I mean, you've mm-hmm. done Regina Rams games for 20-plus years, right? And mm-hmm. that means you, you see what's out there and have a bit more of a sense of it. Um, I view myself as a pro-ratio guy, but this, to me, is a nuanced topic. Right? I spent a lot of time in the U.S., and this is not gun control or abortion. This mm-hmm. is a nuanced topic that has some gray to it. The fact that we have numbers like seven starters and 21 in the ratio uh, overall on a roster um, tells you that it's arbitrary. Right, like The number was something decided by somebody. Um, and for me, I have some concerns about where the number is and like as much as i'm a pro ratio guy and i want to see canadians in the football league canadians in the canadian football league and i want to see starting canadians in the canadian football league um i do think based on what i see every year in preparing for the draft i do think a case can be made for a slight downward adjustment that's my opinion mm-hmm. and you know like i go through it yearly and i go through all the names and i see the amount of justification thrown around around the league as we try to expand what qualifies as a Canadian all the time, right? And, you know, players that have never stepped foot in this country because their parents, one of their parents was Canadian and lived in the country for a couple of years, they all of a sudden qualify. We're now taking American players, letting them play Canadian university football and making them qualify. And we're doing all of this in an effort to completely expand the talent pool. Um, And, you know, I, I think there's some concerns around that, mm-hmm. right? When you have 24 players that have signed National Football League contracts, when you have quality young players who say, you know what, I don't want to play in the CFL anymore. Matlin Riley, I got other things I can do that'll pay me better. So we have all of these people, and when you say it, I respect you because, again, you've, you've seen the ecosystem. But when I hear all of these players who've never watched a U Sports game or have mm-hmm. watched next to nothing say the quality of Canadian players has never been better, and I'm thinking, you don't know who the hell is Canadian until we tell you who's Canadian. Well, and, and there, I mean, there's, like, there's we my pro- the there's my yeah there's my problem, Farhan. Sorry to cut you off. 
I hear from coaches in this league, the CFL, and at U Sports, and obviously they're biased, but I hear from guys like Craig Dickinson, other coaches, talk to the Mark Mueller's, I've talked to other head coaches in this league, and they say the preparation for the, you know, preparation for the draft, the, the guys that are coming in, maybe this is a draft that's a little off because of a COVID year, but guys are never more prepared. They're, they're, they're well coached. It's the best they've ever been. So if that's the case, Farhan, and I'm hearing it from there, okay, then what? Tell me a league where it's better to have less Canadians as starters. They're not getting rid of the Canadians in terms of the numbers, but as starters. Because let's be honest, Farhan, who grows up to be a special, who wants to grow up to be a special teams gunner? They want to grow up to be a receiver. Like, I can't imagine a league. You're in BC. Imagine a league where Jason Claremont didn't get a chance to play. Now, you can say, well, he's good enough, he'd play. But I'll tell you this. I have a tough time believing that an American coach wouldn't have a bias against his guy that he knows in Tallahassee, Florida, or Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, as opposed to he's, now he is forced, and I hate to use that word, but now he is forced to implement these Canadians onto his roster because if they weren't forced, they wouldn't do it. And I'm sorry, I respect you and anybody else. They, they wouldn't convince me otherwise. Yeah, you, like you could be right to a point. Right, but I think that when you, for example, like this fifty-one percent rule that everybody got all bent out of shape about, in my opinion, while it was awkward and cumbersome, it was actually a creative solution to a philosophical problem, right? Because if a player, like all you're asking for is opportunity, right? So when twenty-one players get on the roster, they get to show a lot about what they can do in practice, especially on scout team. Like you get an opportunity to do that. Now all of a sudden, add fifty-one percent of that, and you now have a real opportunity to show what you can do, right? It doesn't have to be every snap. 51% is a large sample size, and you mm-hmm. only have a roster that's so big. So a coach now has to look at that and say, I'm not going to play a lesser player just because. Like if this player, if Kean Schaefer-Baker is showing what he can do, I'm going to put Kean Schaefer-Baker out there more, right? But mm-hmm. you know, we get this where people are, not only do you get your roster spot, but now you don't necessarily want to compete for that next step. Right, and you're not you're not wrong, but I see I don't see seven as the problem. I see the depth after a bunch of guys get hurt as the problem. Okay, so, so let me stop. Be in my bonnet in yeah. all of it, but the biggest be in my real quick. The biggest be in my yeah. bonnet in all of it is what it does to salaries, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get guys that aren't necessarily, you know, better than the player next to them. And I'm comfortable with with pr- protecting roster spots and all of that. But now all of a sudden they don't have to get paid more for lesser work. And those are things that concern me because those things do cause rifts in locker rooms. And Luke, you've been in that room. You know what it feels like, right? And, you know, those things are a challenge. And so, like, I just think, and for me, like, I, I've talked about redistributing the ratio. Let's not make it all offensive linemen where then wow. those guys get overpaid. Why, not we, why don't we make a couple B receivers? Why don't we make a couple more on the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball? Right? Like, so, I, I so agree with me, you. Like, for that, that, That's a yeah, that's exactly what I've said. You're absolutely right. We are. This is the one thing I love about the riders. Okay, is that they are. They're not doing that. Like you've got Key and Schaefer Baker. You've got Sam Emelis. You've got. You know, the, they had Braden Lenius. They got Justin McKinnis. They are looking at. They're looking at the receiver core, and and they're you know Canadian Air Force Part Two. They're not just throwing guys in the offensive line. I absolutely agree with you. I think we should. Let's look at that. Hey, you got to have. You got to have a Canadian at this position, or you got to find Canadians at this position. And my thing is this 
if you add more Canadians, do you not bring down their salary? If you have more Canadians, if there's more of them, then the salary isn't as high. And then maybe we can have the Americans come in and we can get more Americans into our league because the, you know, they're more, they're more in demand. Their salary goes up. It becomes more attractive. Uh, sometimes I think the Canadian Football League creates its own mess. And it's like, okay, let's throw four guys in the offensive line. Now that fifth offensive lineman that's a backup's making more than my middle linebacker. Well, don't blame the fifth Canadian. Blame you because you're the guy that created the mess. But anyway, Farhan, I'm going to keep yeah, you, you on hold. You... I'm going to keep you on okay. hold. We're going to keep you for two segments because I do want to. I think this is good, and and I love a healthy debate when it comes to this because I also want to get your thoughts on where we go going forward here. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Yeah, I love that old school song. Hopefully we get to hear that uh, over the loudspeaker at Mosaic Stadium this year. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the rest of the CFL waiting to see what happens with the CBA. We'll get the far handleology in the second half of our talk here before the show wraps up. But Zinger, do we have a couple of more texts on our Capital Ford Lincoln text line? We do got a couple texts in here. Uh, Josh from Simpson says, keep uh, those shout-outs happening for our farmers out here. We love this entertainment. Great show, guys. And another uh, text from Trevor. He's also on the Combine. He says... Uh, great show today, guys. Love the passion. Keep up the great work. That's awesome. We're, ha- we're having fun with my breathy uh, questions, too. <laughs> I'll get that figured out tomorrow. All right, back on the Western Pizza Hotline with Farhan Lalshi. My apologies, Farhan. You were talking about salaries. I uh, gave you my two cents. Your thoughts on, uh, like, how, how do you think we could handle, uh, you know, what's deemed kind of unfair salaries as you look at Canadians versus Americans? Yeah, you know, look, I don't think more is the answer, and I say that only because if supply and demand is a current issue, it becomes difficult to increase demand. However, a redistribution of the ratio, I've always advocated for, right? Like, if you you say to a team, you're not going to get credited for more than two offensive linemen on the ratio, you can have more, but you're not going to, you know, you can only slot Mm -hmm. in two, right? And you say two to three have to be on defense. I think now you can change the supply and demand, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't put such a demand stress on offensive line and you can spread it out into other positions and I think you can uh, you know like as I say now you need 50 offensive linemen to get through a season like in the league wide right mm-hmm. like you need 50 offensive linemen well if you cut that down to 20 or 25 and you increase the requirements of you, only you need 18 safeties two per team or you know eight you know what 18 defensive backs because you can split it up between safety and corner or you know mm-hmm. d-line or front seven players or whatever i think if you can change that i think you can change the supply and demand um dynamics and i think you can then it changes the salary structure right and i, I think that's important you can yeah. have potentially positional salary caps and things of that nature right like right now you know when you go back to my tweet that you quoted at the start Mm-hmm. This was not about ratio being higher or lower. This is about wh- where the potential conflict is coming from and how it potentially creates a divide. So when the deal got turned down, and what led to my tweet, the context around that, I had 11 American players text me within a 60-minute period saying, what the hell? Like, to the effect of, what the hell? Like, if I have to lose a game check because I've got to go on strike... For the Canadian ratio, I'm going to lose my mind. Like mm-hmm. that was the that was the tone of of that from established American CFL players, like players that would fit in the veteran naturalized 
category, players that all your fans would have heard of, right? And so it, mm-hmm. it does create a divide. There was a Canadian player last year during free agency that signed a big money deal coming off a subpar season. And there were some texts or some tweets that went back and forth from American players shaking their head at the salary he was making. And he basically laughed and flexed, right? Like, you know, figuratively flexed at the notion of, I'm getting my money. This is a great system. I'm happy to take it. That's the way it goes. Toughen up mm-hmm. or suck it up or whatever. Like, that was mm-hmm. the tone of the tweets. And that's what this creates, right? And, and so I know players are pissed at me. You've told me players are pissed at me because I've got, you know, like I've, I've commented mm-hmm. on it. But it, it is real. It is causing friction in the locker room. And right now you've got even a player like Nick Arbuckle who is, you know, trying to say, no, it's not this. We're, we're all united and it's not just the ratio. Trust me. It's the ratio. So others uh, have told me it's the ratio. So Farhan, um, what do you think's the next thing that's going to happen here? What are you hearing? You've got your ear to the ground. What are you hearing? Like I, I heard, there's supposed to be, uh, there wasn't going to be uh, something presented by the uh, uh, PA to the membership, but now it looks like maybe tonight. Uh, what are you hearing on that front? Yeah, they, the PA leadership group did have their meetings with the player reps. Um, and I haven't been able to confirm it yet, but there is some discussion that they are trying to justify finding a way to present this to membership, right? So I don't know for sure that a vote mm-hmm. has been scheduled. I know some people have floated that out there. I don't know that a vote has been scheduled. But certainly the mandate leadership got was don't bring us a package to vote on if it includes a ratio change. But this package still includes a ratio change. So mm-hmm. they've gone to the reps, uh, explained it all to them, see where it's going to go. And they've also got to take a look at, like, how much do we want to push this, right? Like, do we want the nuclear option of going on strike? Because then it gets ugly, right? So I think they're digesting that and deciding whether or not to put this to a vote uh, tonight or not. Uh, I have heard some rumors that, they're gonna, that they are going to put it to a vote, but I have not been able to confirm that at all yet. And like I said, I mean, if I've been told by the players that if they don't have a deal, um, whether they don't take it to a vote or whether it gets voted down, they will go back on strike. Right, that's been confirmed to me, and I reported that yesterday. Once that happens, the owners are going to stop feeding and housing them. So right? what has also been confirmed? Really. So, so what does this mean for the league going forward? If we go back on strike again, what's uh, wh- what does this look they like? Do you games. think? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I, I think truly that if this thing doesn't get through in the next thirty-six hours or whatever thirty hours, depending mm-hmm. on where we are in the clock here, uh, I think we're going to miss some serious time, and and. It's going to get ugly because at that point, um, the PA has got to then fly players home because if they're not getting fed and housed, they've already committed to doing that to fly them home. If you fly them home, who's flying them back? So have you talked to some players? Have you talked to some players? We know some players that you mentioned, Matlin Riley, there's Adam Macker, but I'm talking veteran guys in this league that are if they go on strike, they're just like, I'm done. I'm not playing football again. I I've, I haven't heard that directly from a player, but I'm sure that'll happen. Like the PA is believes that if some players go home, they're not coming back because you know they got used to other things during COVID. They've got other jobs they can go back to, and they're not going to deal with this again after a lost season and a shortened season. They would you know at that point say, okay, we're done. You know we're, mm-hmm. we're going to go back home. And, we're, and truthfully, they think there might be some Canadian players that might just get tipped in that direction too because again we've seen that already. So. Uh, you know, even the players internally, they're referring to this as the nuclear option. And uh, both sides stand to lose a lot. Like, I'm not sitting here taking sides. Both mm-hmm. sides stand to lose a lot. And But if the 
owners are all of a sudden going to lose um, the current packages coming off the table. My? And I don't know that it's going to get any better for the players going forward. I, I don't my, know that it will. My so question we'll is this, man. My question is this, man. Lastly, how did, how does the PA say that? You know, how do we have the other option? It looked like it was going to get done, and then it doesn't get done. Like this looks bad on the CFL Players Association. Like they look like they just don't know what they're doing. In my opinion. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't want to criticize the, the players or the PA. Like, I, I respect the players and what they're going through in, in all mm-hmm. of this, but I believe the league made a mistake when they, like, for example, the, the, the ratification bonus, they didn't even negotiate for that. And then all of a sudden they go back and the players are like, what, what do you mean we didn't get a bonus? Well, the players had a laundry list of items that, they, that the players, the PA leadership had a laundry list of items that the players said, we want you to fight for. On the financial side, they got their top six. Right? And nowhere on there was a ratification bonus, and all of a sudden it came back. So there's a bit on the player's side, but as far as the league is concerned, I think when they came back with the zero option on the ratio, because mm-hmm. I don't believe it was a hill to die on before, but when the league came in with that zero starters proposal, I think the players were taken aback, and they dug in. And the background conversations and the background group chats began at that moment from Canadian players to one another and saying, hell no. Right? And so I think the league, while they will tell you after the fact, we never expected it to be zero. I think the optics of presenting it at zero really put them in this position where the players are now digging it. And, yeah, I agree 100%. You know, the league, you know, and, and the, league, the league is given. Do you know the only thing the league has gotten out of this whole deal at this point? 12 padded practices, 45 minutes each. And that came at the expense of two additional years of health and safety benefits. So 12 padded practices and a seven-year agreement. That is all. All the other concessions have been heavy to the players. But because the league overplayed its hand when they made their first presentation on the ratio, I think they made a mistake, and everybody dug in. And, and it'd be hard to blame them, right? Yeah, it's no. Not I, I, it's not a yeah. one-starter. It's now a philosophical fight. The owners, mm-hmm. we need something, because we've given everything. And the players, don't touch my ratio. And it's, it's not even about the nine starting positions league-wide anymore. This is a philosophical line in the sand that both sides have crossed, or both you know sides what? Are, are not willing to cross. Farhan, that is that's exactly what I wanted to get out of you, and that is a great point, and that's a great way to end this. It is exactly that. If the if we're playing cards, they're terrible poker players. The the league just they shot themselves in the foot right at the start, and now it is. Hey, this the, the guys are in the room going, no, they want to cut Canadians. Look what they're doing now. They want to drop the ratio. So that's exactly where we're at. That's exactly what it is. It's a great way to end this uh, conversation. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Okay. We still friends? We're always friends. I just was telling. Listen, and that's the other thing. This is the other thing that I don't do. I don't go into the sewer pipe that is Twitter. I'll rather text you and talk behind the scenes because we are friends. Uh, and, and I do yeah, respect absolutely. I do respect your opinion, and I'm glad you... Nothing to matter with healthy debate. It's actually refreshing in today's day and age. Anyway, have yourself there a you great go. day. Have yourself a great day, Farhan. Take care, buddy. That'll do it for the sports cage. If you missed any of the show, check it out on our podcast form, Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. We will talk to you tomorrow, and hopefully we have better news when it comes to CBA, because I'd love to just breathe less and talk more football. We'll talk to you tomorrow.